Welcome to our last session of Shopping for Time. And um, I hope that you have enjoyed the last four slash five weeks. This was supposed to be our off week and between Bible studies and with all of the snow and the cold weather and all that kind of stuff, um, we actually had our off week on week two. So <laughs> thanks for hanging with us and just being kind and team players. Nice. This microphone is, yeah, I'm, yes, just fix me. <laughs> the microphone is not my friend. Um, I, I would like to start again this morning, like we have done the last couple mornings, the last three mornings, with a little bit of a review. Um, and so this week, what I'd like for you to do is to go ahead and grab your sabotage, your workbook, and we're going to go to your sabotage sheet. Maybe you remember that from the very first day we were together that was five weeks ago so that sounds that seems like a long time ago um but if you don't have one you can share with someone else <laughs> and um i just want to take maybe two minutes of, of some personal reflection as you read back through your sabotage sheet or as you think back through some of the re some of the questions and some of the answers that you put down i just want you to quickly evaluate the things that went really well we're going to do the good, the bad, and the ugly again. But just within your, within your own head, um, just for a, maybe a minute or two, just to look over this and see how you did. What were your goals? What did you, um, the, the question about what's true of myself a month, that's today. So how are you? How did you actually do? Um, and then especially down at the bottom, here's what I must say yes to in order to be more like Jesus. And here's what I must say no to in order to be more like Jesus. Maybe those things need to change. You're a month, you've grown for a month. Maybe those things need to change as you go, um, as you progress from the future, for the future as you continue to move on. So just take a minute or so and kind of look through that. I'm, I'm not setting a timer yet. Um, we'll get to that later, but go ahead. Okay, we are going to give you some more time to talk in your, in your clubs and your groups in a little bit. But um, these two chapters, more than any other, uh, are extremely practical. And maybe as you read through chapter six, which is titled Plan to Depend, you're kind of maybe a little, I don't know, maybe a little like, oh, all right, this is, this is still not, we're still not actually shopping for time yet. Um, it it kind of takes you back a little bit. But what I want to suggest to you is that this fifth principle in the sixth chapter, which is also confusing, fifth principle, sixth chapter, is actually where it's at. The rest of the book kind of culminates to this, which is so smart of the authors to kind of put it in there. And by the way, this book, this is not, this is the fourth or fifth. I think I just completed my fifth time through it. Not not this actual study that we walked through, but fifth time on my own, and every time I pick something else out, which is amazing to me because it's so tiny. It's 100 pages, not even. And there's so much little, there's just little sentences or little phrases that have gotten me to stop and say, wow, that's just a little bit different. So as we go through this last chapter of uh, Plan to Depend, I, I want you to know that it's loaded. And we went over our time last week, and I we're not going to go over our time this week, because um, we are going to we are going to plan to not go over. <laughs> um, 
But what I love most about the planning side of all of this is I am a planner. I love to plan, and I think I really like to plan so much because it, it, uh, it gives me the feeling, first of all, that I'm in control, and second of all, that I can be super productive throughout the day, which, as you continue to read through this study, you realize, again, we're not in control. That's, that's a self idolatry. That's me thinking that I can do everything that I'm going to do. And we're going to get into that a little bit, why we feel that way, why I feel that way. But what I have learned through this study and through this book, and especially in walking through the morning clubs with each of you and your specific morning clubs, is that it allows me to prioritize my time planning allows me to prioritize my time with the Lord so that it influences the rest of my day, which I hope you have had a chance to either listen to Brad's message, Pastor Brad's message on Sunday, or you've had a chance to um, listen to it online or walk through it or talk with it in your small group. But being able to plan to depend on the Lord actually frees you up to rejoice more. So it's so, I mean, obviously the Lord knows what he's doing and allowing, it's not a coincidence, allowing the sovereignty of these two things to come back to back. But it definitely allows us to be able to rejoice more when we realize that the Lord has already orchestrated our days, he's already orchestrated our weeks and our calendar and what's going to come in, and we consult him, all of a sudden it allows us to rejoice in the things that he has brought into our days. When laundry is the only thing on your activity list for 20 days straight that you actually wrote down, my priority today is laundry again, <laughs> he knows that. And we can rejoice in the fact that, hey, our washers and dryers work, or we've got clothes that fit, or we don't have clothes that fit and we need to go get new clothes. Whatever it is that allows us to rejoice in the fact that God is with us and sees us and provides for us again. Um, I did want to show you, before we really get into things, the, the book talks about planners and systems and having a daily system. Um, and if you don't have a daily system of how you organize your days, I'd be very happy to sit down with you at any time of the day and talk about what has worked for me. But I just want to show you briefly what has worked for me. I uh, like this is this is this is planner light for me. I'm working on it, making it not so much of an idol in my life because it really has become that at times. Um, I'm going to show you March because March is not so overwhelming yet. So this is my calendar for March. Some people use phones. Some people share phones with their husband or their family or their office, which is awesome. If that works for you, I think that that's really great. It doesn't work for me because I like color and I like stickers and I actually need to interact with my calendar so that it it I, it kind of comes back up. Um, that's the type of learner I am. I need to feel it. I need to see it. I need to actually work through it. So having a bell go off on my phone makes me jump, and then I panic, and then I don't know what I'm doing because I haven't really thought through it and, and played it out as far as what's happening in my day. So this is um, my march so far. Um, I also like to do it like this because... Um, over the years, Jason and I have started to have calendar checks. It used to be once a month, then it was once a week, and now it's multiple times a week, um, which is, it sounds like it's not fun, but as a planner and someone who really likes that communication, it forces me and my husband to sit down and talk through what we're actually doing with our time. 
It, it forces us to think through what are we doing as far as ministry? What are we doing as far as family? What are we doing as far as just our family? Are we actually resting? Are we taking a Sabbath? Are we actually spending time just the two of us? So if you notice, my calendar only has one date for the whole month of March. <laughs> We're going on a date tonight, which is our first date since November because we keep getting hijacked because we haven't made that a priority. That needs to change. That's something when we have a calendar check together, we can actually change that. It allows us to go back and say, I need to meet with this person. Hey, why don't we meet with them together? Or, hey, don't forget your parents are coming to town. Or, you know, it's time to change the oil or the air filter or other things like that. So it allows us to have a face-to-face. -face. It allows Judah to see that mommy and daddy are in it together. Mommy doesn't just tell daddy what to do and daddy doesn't just tell mommy what to do. We're actually in it together to make our family work well, which has really worked well for our family. So in my, oh, we have to go back this way. In my planner, I also keep, um, actually it's based on the Erin Condren menu planner. I kind of wrote in the same thing. So this is great to be able to see, I will show you February because it's a little bit crazy right now. This is overwhelming to see when you're trying to plan meals or trying to go grocery shopping, just to think through. So to be able to have a space where I can still interact that has what we're eating or who's coming over with some fun little stickers and all that kind of stuff. I also keep a budget in here. We keep our budget on our phone and our um, laptop, but it makes me really accountable when I actually have to write it down. This And it's in my planner, it's my yearly planner for the rest of the year. I overspent on this budget or this budget or are we undercut on this? Maybe we need to, to redo the budget. So that's really what I love. Um, maybe you've heard of bullet trackers, bullet journals, which are kind of um, planners as well, but then there are also trackers as well. So um, if you want to achieve a habit, and sometimes it's good to write it down or keep track of it. So I keep a running list of wish lists. My side hustle is called Tulip Circle, so I keep track of that in here. The beginning of the month to-dos, the end of the month to-dos, like change the air filters, do calendar check, do a budget eval, make sure the bills are filed, I get a haircut, they get a haircut at the, Jason do to get a haircut at the end of the month. So just we know the last time we changed the batteries and the smoke detector was this, just to kind of keep track of all of that. Keep Christmas stuff in here. Well, there's, there's just so much, so much. The point of all this, what we need, who needs what for wardrobe, um, who we've had in, how we're practicing hospitality, and those kinds of things just help me make sure that I'm keeping my priorities straight. This is a direct result of this Shopping for Time book because I want to make sure that I'm spending my time wisely and in a way that glorifies the Lord. So if we aren't glorifying the Lord, if all of a sudden, so... Pink is like fun stuff because it's February, so pink is fun. So if my whole calendar was pink and there was nothing else, there was no family, there was no ministry, there was no whatever else, it would, it would be super lopsided. And for me, that would be an easy way to say that I'm probably not spending my time in a way that would be most pleasing to the Lord. So it allows us to change. <coughs> if you use a calendar, like a big wall calendar, more power to you. For a long time, we used one of those giant desk things because we wrote it out and color-coded it, and it was on the kitchen counter, which worked for us at that time. We had an intern living with us, so he had his own color, and he knew <laughs> what, 
when he needed to change his sheets and he knew when he needed to unload the dishwasher and I was his summer mother so we were going to make sure that he learned and part of that is is communicating an effective calendar if you don't if you don't have a, a calendar a daily schedule or a weekly schedule that works for you or if you don't have something built in where you can talk to your husband or your family about this is what we're doing with our calendar, this is a great time to institute that. Even just to say, this is what my week looks like. Often in the morning, Jason and I will run down, this is what we're doing for lunch, this is what we're doing for dinner, this is what's happening after dinner, or don't forget this and this and this. Just to be able to, to touch base. And it really, last week we talked about you're more than teammates, you're more than just buddies and partners. But you do have to have that aspect too. And it helps me know as a, as a wife and as a mom, you know, he's got a super stressful day today, so I need to pray for him or maybe I need to make sure that dinner is something that he really likes tonight or just ways, how can I show him love? How can I show him that we're in this together? Your husband may be a dentist, he may be a landscaper, whatever, maybe a firefighter. If there is a way that you can show your husband and your family that you're in it together through little teeny tiny things which come by planning the teeny tiny things don't often happen out of the blue like you don't you know valentine's day is tomorrow chances are good that you don't just happen to have i don't know jason wants kayak racks i don't have kayak racks just laying in the storage room that i can say happy valentine's day honey he probably doesn't have a diamond necklace just you know, in his sock drawer or something waiting for me. It takes planning. It takes planning to show each other care. We don't, we don't do that. <laughs> we don't give diamond rings and kayak racks for, <laughs> for Valentine's Day. We give handmade cards. <laughs> Just an illustration. But that stuff takes planning. Even the handmade cards take planning. He's not going to hear this before Valentine's Day, but I know, that, I know that he has made my card and I have not made his yet. Valentine's Day is tomorrow. So that's pretty, that's pretty flip-flopped in our family. Oh, my planner, yes. I think I sent it last week. It's an Erin Condren. This is an Erin Condren Deluxe Monthly Planner, um, which the difference is she, she started her business with what's called a life planner, which has um, the month by month at a glance, and then instead of these blank pages, it would have the day-by-day -day calendar. So it would have you would open it up to a week at a time. And she's, I mean, you can customize it up to your eyeballs if you want color schemes you can have vertical days you can have horizontal days you can have hour by hour days you can add extra paper in the back it comes with stickers you can customize stickers you'll notice all of the green we customize I customize my everything Sailorville so it's all green so I can which again lets me know that's that's heavy green <laughs> so we need some pink or we need some some other color in there um, they are a little bit pricey but I think this was 50 ish dollars. Um, he doesn't typically write in it. I mean, he. Or do, like, do you leave it or do you always have it with you? Or like, do you leave it on the counter for you guys to both look at? He, okay, these are great questions. <laughs> great questions. Um, I don't typically let anybody else draw in my planner. Um, but if they asked, I mean, they could. Maybe that's something I need to work on a little bit. <laughs> 
you can definitely check it out if you want to. Um, Jason uses a Google Calendar because um, they share a Google Calendar at church here, so he knows what's happening in the building, and that seems to make it a little bit easier. It's also a good accountability between him and the other staff members here so that they know when he's got an appointment or it's easier to keep track of what, where their hours go. I mean, you know, hours go so fast in a week. It's, it's a good accountability. But I don't like the Google Calendar, so that's where the calendar checks come in. Um, typically, this is either in the morning, this is out with my Bible study stuff. Um, I definitely, when I spend time with the Lord, have that first, and then I turn to my planner to find out what's happening through the day. Not that it's not a turn from God's word, it's a, okay, now, Lord, what are we going to do with this? What have you given me to do? What, who do I need to love more? What's coming this way? Where can, we're gonna talk about in a minute how to choose the best spots to put things in. I'm most effective in the morning, so if I have a heavy day of cleaning or shopping or coffee dates, I know that the morning is much better because in the afternoon, I need to like, I need to shut it down. Like, I need to watch an episode of The Office or, you know, <laughs> The British Baking Show or maybe I need a nap or maybe I need a, to read or I really like to crochet, so maybe that's something that I need in the afternoon to then build up for the evening. We do a ton of stuff at night just based on our schedule and our ministry right now. So that seems to work for me. So as I sit and plan through the day, knowing that where can I get a little bit of a break or where would there be a little bit of a wiggle room? Where's, when's the best time for Judah who's not in school? When is the best time to do school, preschool stuff with him at home? Or has he been playing the Wii for like 75 days straight because it's freezing outside? Maybe I need to come up with something other than that. For him, it, it allows me to kind of think through all of those things. And the thing that I love the most, I think I just have really come to love it about the Lord, is that he, we've used the, the example of an experiment. He is the constant in our lives. He is unchanging, will never change. He's always there, he's always consistent. He's always merciful and gracious and faithful and steadfast. The rest of everything else is an experiment. As long as we are glorifying God with what we do, your calendar can change. The way that you study the Bibles can change. Where you study the Bible, what you eat, what you do with your days, all that kind of stuff. How you wash your laundry. All of that stuff can change because he is so faithful and so constant. It kind of puts it into perspective. As long as we are spending time with the Lord and giving him the rightful place in our hearts and understanding who he is and how he loves, the rest of it doesn't really matter. Some of it matters, like you need to be able to eat and you need to be able to have clean clothes and you need to make sure that your pets aren't dying. But the rest of it gets, there's some wiggle room there, quite a bit of wiggle room. Um, the book also talks about the 15-4 principle, which says if you spend 15 minutes planning, you save yourself four hours of heartache or confusion or just running around a little bit. And you've been practicing the 15-4 rule for a while, for four weeks, if you've been following along in the journal. So that's something that it really doesn't take very much. Just to, I mean, from day one, we joked about laundry will be on your activity sheet. You don't necessarily want to make it an activity. It's probably a priority, but you don't always want your activity for the day to be strapped to every 45 minutes or an hour, like going back to check it. But in all actuality, if your, if your life is crazy, <coughs> 
you don't know what to do, it's the busy time of year, it's Christmas, it's back to school, it's vacation time, it's time when your family is in, there are certain things that you, you need to take care of. Your husband and your kids and your pets, your food and your laundry. And that really, I mean, everything else can go. Everything else can just, doesn't necessarily need to be so much of a priority. This, I love the 15-4 rule because it does allow you to choose the best time to do things. And the book also mentions the eating an elephant. Um, she uses that phrase to talk about breaking up big tasks. Something that we practice at our house is the one minute rule. Sometimes we set a timer, sometimes we don't, but if a task is gonna take one minute or less, we do it right away. It doesn't go on the to-do list, we do it right away. Things like wiping down the bathroom sink, things like making your bed, things like carrying the laundry basket from rooms in our house, the boys do that, carrying the laundry baskets to the laundry room and back again. Um, the dishwasher usually takes more than a minute, Making dinner usually takes more than a minute. Sorting the clothes, folding the clothes, those things take longer than a minute, so maybe they need to be part of the do list, to-do list. But signing permission slips, feeding your pets, dusting, I mean set a timer for a minute or five minutes and just dust a room. We do this with Judah all the time, five minute cleanup time, and you have to be moving the whole time or else a minute gets added every time, which is the end of the world, if you know Judah. <laughs> five more minutes, no. <laughs> Just really good, good principles for this part of the book. It also mentions the interruptions in life. And I don't know, maybe you're like me. The interruptions, they just drive me nuts because I've got, I'm so planned out and I'm so, yes, I'm going to get this done and this done and this done and I get the little checks and then I get a sticker at the end of the day. <laughs> you laugh and it's true. <laughs> I get myself a sticker at the end of the day. <laughs> But when realizing that those interruptions aren't necessarily interruptions, those are things that God has ordained. If we believe that he allows things into different seasons of our life, then we have to also believe that he ordains every part of our day. So the friend that drops by or the neighbor that drops by or suddenly when you have dinner all done and you're going out to dinner or there's more people or you're having a bunch of people in and your oven breaks, those types of things are all ordained, and those are a chance for us to actually practice joy. It, it sounds so unnatural to be able to practice joy in those moments, but being able to sit and plan and prioritize your time with the Lord allows you to say, everything else is great. If I get the laundry done, great. If I get to sit and visit with my neighbor who, who does not know Jesus, that's actually probably should have been on my to-do list or my plan earlier, and it wasn't. I also love the, she gives you three S's. Separate, the make sure that the must-dos, the husband, kids, pets. I put pets in there. I don't know if they have pets. Food and laundry, probably because in the morning my dog has to go out. When I am sitting doing my quiet time, she has to go to the bathroom like every 30 seconds, which is so annoying. But she needs she needs to go out at that time. She can go 12 hours, but has to go out four times in that 45 minutes. And then she suggests that you size up, which really just, I love that quote. Um, I think C.J. Mahaney said it, that only God gets his to-do list done every day. There's a lot of freedom and grace in that, knowing that 
the pressure that I feel or if I'm going to feel like a failure or the guilt that I feel is not from the Lord because the Lord is not requiring me to f do all this so that he gives me a sticker. The Lord is just saying, love me and we'll serve through the rest. We'll, we'll do it together. Um, it has helped me realize that not only are we not supposed to do it all, we don't have to do it all. Um, we can't do it all. We actually can't even help ourselves do it all. It allows us to, to actually depend on him. And I think sometimes we talk about, you know, this Sunday we're talking about joy and how to have, how to rejoice, how to have joy, how to be gentle. And that's wonderful. It's good to know, but how? What does it actually look like lived out? And I think the same thing with this plan to depend. It's, it's great in theory, but if you don't know how to actually do it, then it, what good is it if you can't actually take it with you? So there's two passages of scripture that actually build on each other, which <coughs> is super, super exciting. Um, I realized in the last three podcasts that I say amazing all the time, so I'm trying to come up with some other words to say. So um, the, the fact that scripture does complement itself is actually amazing. Um, and the first passage I want to start with is a, it's probably pretty familiar. It's Proverbs chapter three. So just listen to these verses um, as we talk about this. Um, Proverbs chapter three, verses seven through five. Say, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn from evil. This speaks to the everyday. Trusting in the Lord is often the mundane. It's often the laundry and the making the beds and the making of the lunches, which never seem to end. Like everybody always wants to eat. It, it really is just, it's, it's the mundane and that's where it's easiest to lose our dependence. Because I don't know that, I don't know what it looks like to depend on the Lord to open the washing machine and take the clothes out and put them in the dryer and, and push start. I'm not exactly sure what that looks like, except I know that he gives me the ability, he's given me the gifts of a washer and a dryer. We live in a land where there's electricity, that's not by accident, the Lord's not surprised that somebody discovered electricity way back when. So being able to depend on him for those mundane tasks is not necessarily a, I can't do it by myself, but it is, I can't do it by myself. You have given me all of these things so that I will be able to, to worship you in a way. When we think in the mundane times especially, how often do we think, I can't make dinner by myself. I need to depend on the Lord to be able to make dinner. It's actually something called self-idolatry. When you get to the end of the day, maybe this is you, I get to the end of the day and Jason will ask often, how'd your day go? And I just list, I did this and I did this and I did this and I did this and I never ever ever used the phrase until recently. You know what, the Lord allowed me to do this. The Lord allowed me to go here. He gave me the strength or he helped me to know or he fill in the blank. He did those things. It didn't actually have to do with me. I have been guilty of self-idolatry for years, probably my whole life, until picking up this book and having them pointed out. And by the way, it's two sentences that they mention in this book. 
that this is what self-idolatry looks like, thinking that you don't need the Lord's help. <coughs> There's another passage that builds on Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and you worked through it um, in your workbook. By now, all of you have worked through it because we're done with our workbooks. It's in, it's in uh, Psalm chapter 73. And here's why self-idolatry, this is so cool that the Lord lets this build. This is why self-idolatry is easy for us to fall into. So easy for us to be guilty of constantly. It typically comes by comparison. If you think about it, if you never had social media, if you didn't talk to your girlfriends, if you don't have anybody close by to know this is what she does in a day, or this is she's completely dressed and ready and showered by 7.30 in the morning. If you never knew any of that, think about how much more satisfied you'd be with your days if you never ever knew that someone else had done this and this and this, and you just were able to focus on, this is what I did, this is what needed to happen, and this is what I did. So most of our, oh, I need to, I need to get this, or I need to fix that, or I need to be able to knock off these things on my to-do list, they intensify with Pinterest, Instagram, Facebook, as much as we love Joanna Gaines, uh, TV shows, HGTV, I'm, I can't watch it anymore. <laughs> I deleted Facebook from my phone this week. I just, I, it's not healthy for me. It's to the stage where it's not healthy for me because the comparison monster rages so much and then the glory monster comes out. That's that self-idolatry. Maybe you felt it where, what about me? I, I have done this and this and this. Or it wouldn't it be so nice if I had the refrigerator that would tell me when things were expired? Or wouldn't it be so great if I had the vacuum cleaner that would do it by itself? Or wouldn't it be so great if I had a kid that listened? I mean, self-idolatry, it, it can go out of control past where, where we actually would think that's not, okay, that's not a biblical thought. Sometimes we would love a Roomba and we think of to ourselves, that's justif I'm justified in wanting a robot vacuum. Of course I am. But to follow the train of thought, follow where your heart is. It's probably greedy. It's probably lusting after something that someone else has. Coveting, actually, not lusting. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but let's take a minute and let's go through Psalm 73. I, I typically... Um, shy away from psalms like this, which are lament psalms. These are, are people crying out. I have notes in my Bible that talk about a lament psalm is when you're grouchy. <laughs> and probably the people of this day, like we would be, feel like we've got reasons to be grouchy. And in the end, I think it, it, it becomes a little bit more obvious. This psalm begins with, it's a, written by Asaph, um, who may or may not have just been someone who did music. It's, it's hard to tell. There are three Asaphs in scripture, so it's hard to tell which one this one is. But it starts with his observations in verse one and two. Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. So immediately, this psalm starts out with, right, God's, God's gotta be good, right? I'm not quite sure because look where I am today. So immediately we, we walk in on Asaph whose focus is not where it should be. Already he's second guessing. These are his observations of what is happening in, in his life. 
And if you continue, watch how he compares. Verses three through 14. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pangs until death. They never ever hurt. Nothing goes wrong until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek, which was a big deal back in Bible times. If you, were, if you had some girth to you, it meant you had enough to eat. They're not in trouble as others are. They're not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They're not even ashamed of the pride that's in their life. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily, they threaten opposition. They're, they're smel- smart mouths. I mean, can you picture it? This is not just an Asaph's day. Maybe you can, you can kind of see w- where we live in our culture reflected in this. Uh, they set their mouths against the heavens and their tongue struts through the earth. Therefore, his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. And they say, how can God know? Is there any knowledge in the Most High? And behold, these are the wicked. Always at ease, they increase in riches. All in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. I feel like this is me sometimes. Often, probably more than sometimes, if I'm being honest. When I look around and think, I have given my life to serve you, Lord, and how come all these other people that want nothing to do with you are healthy, they have all the stuff, they take the amazing vacations, they, they just continue to be blessed, with what we would say would be blessed. Like Asaph, <coughs> this is a picture of us not leaning on the Lord's understanding. This is a picture of, of us talking about what it looks like from our perspective. The problem with this perspective is who it's focused on. This is a woe is me. This is us saying, my understanding must be the, the right way. Just because I think it, that's how it must be. It must be true. This is a picture of not consulting or depending on the Lord. This is me. This is overwhelming and kind of scary. Real scary when, if it were to stay there. Verses 13 and 14, I just read 13, let's read it in with verse 14. All in vain I have kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all the day long I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. I don't need a show of hands, but have you ever felt like that? Like abandoned, like this is just not getting any better, this doesn't seem to be fair? This feels joyless and grouchy. It feels hopeless and alone. Until verses 15 and 16, which I absolutely love. And this is where, this is the beginning of a turning point, but listen to the human perspective in verses 16, 15 and 16. He's saying, if I had said these things, if I had said I will speak all of these things, if I believed these things were true forever, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. If he really believed that all this was true, this is God starting to intervene in his life and saying, 
maybe this is not really what you know. Maybe this isn't the way it's supposed to be, and maybe you should go back to not leaning on your own understanding. If he had actually believed this, when I feel lowly and sorrowful and joyless and self-centered, if I were to stay there, everyone around me would know <coughs> that I don't believe anything of, of what the Bible says about the Lord. But he doesn't stay there. And the transition shows us again that God doesn't leave us alone. <clears throat> Verse 16, but when I thought how to understand this, it seemed too wearisome a task, trying to figure it all out. Here it is, verse 17 is the actual transition. Until I went to the sanctuary of God, then I discerned their end. It's not talking about like the auditorium of the church. Some people used to call that a sanctuary. In this context, for our day, the sanctuary is where you go to meet the Lord. Ladies, for the last four slash five weeks, you have been creating a sanctuary within your home, a meeting place for you and the Lord, so that when these, these feelings which come, these comparisons come, when we start to lean on our own understanding, and maybe you've had that even in these last four weeks, there is no mistaking that Satan wants to take you down right now when, when we're still at the tipping point, when it's still becoming a habit, when it's still becoming something that you enjoy and you long for when you miss it. You are in the process of creating that place where you actually sit and meet with the Lord. And when that happens, everything changes. Let's keep reading. Verse, let's go to uh, 18 through 21. Yeah. Truly, you set them on slippery places. Now he's talking about how God views the wicked. You set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors. Like a dream when one awakes, O oh Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. That's powerful. To go from, I really, really want what they have. I really don't understand why I'm living the way that I'm living, trying to please the Lord, when everybody else is just continuing to prosper, from that to seeing how the Lord actually views them, to seeing what he's actually going to do to them. That's such a contrast when we start to depend, when we start to plan, when we start to actually lean on his understanding. Verse 21, when my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant, I was like a beast towards you. <laughs> Can you see the repentance here? I don't think I've ever used those words when repenting to the Lord, but maybe that's, maybe that I need to start. We can see when we spend time with the Lord, when we, when we create a place where we can actually hear from him, when we set aside time to spend with him, we can see where we've gone wrong. His word clearly shows us how our independent thinking has led us away, has led us astray. Verse 23 is my personal comfort from this this chapter and it says nevertheless i am continually with you you hold my right hand i think often about when i'm planning when i'm think i'm in control when i'm when i'm putting myself above the lord when the glory monster of meredith takes over what should be given to the lord he's still there it's not like he's walked away and said, okay, let me know. Let me know when you're ready to listen. 
I used that phrase this week with Judah too many times. He doesn't ever walk away. He's still there holding our hands, which is so, so great. Verse 24. You guide me with your counsel, and afterwards you receive me to glory. The true outcome of following after or depending on the Lord, this is referring to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, to trust with the Lord, trust the Lord with all your heart. That's that you guide me with your counsel, and afterwards you receive me. That's just, it's really just so, so amazing. Okay, verses 25, verse 25. Who have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. Here comes the corrected thinking. Here comes the, the overwhelming wrong thinking. God corrects us. We repent. And here comes how we actually praise. There's nothing on earth that I desire, desire besides you. Um, verse 26. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. This verse 26 is the truth of life because when we feel not close to God, he's always there, always our God. And if he's always our God, it means that we are always his children. Um, <clears throat> verses, let me just finish with verse 27 and then verse 28 is going to lead us into where we're going next. Verse 27, For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. And I'm going to substitute be near with depend. But for me, it is good to depend on God. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. How amazing. I'm saying it again, I know I overuse the word amazing, but how amazing is that? To go from eyes not on the Lord to eyes firmly planted back on the Lord. And I love that that's included in scripture because I feel like when I'm in the middle of it, I'm the only person that's ever done that. The only person that's turned my back or that's relied on my own understanding. Oh, it's, I do love this study. I want to read one little passage to you from the book, and then we're going to have you break up into your, do your discussion questions. In the conclusion, on page 93 of your book, it talks about this, what's most important. And this, as a summary of the book, is, is, again, kind of amazing to think about. Consider, then, the staggering implications of our shopping for time tips if we don't evaluate our priorities, consider relationships, and simplify tasks merely to avoid being overwhelmed, we do it so that our manner of life would be worthy of the gospel. We do it because, by God's amazing grace, we can live a life worthy of the gospel. The God of Psalm 73 is not just a God that stays in our Bible. He's here with us. He's here seeking after us telling us what's actually important in our lives. The whole shopping for time idea is such a, it's such a little kitschy hook to get you in to realize that you have all the time that God wants you to have. He just wants you to prioritize things differently. In your workbooks on page 50 are the discussion questions for um, chapters 6 in the conclusion. And we're going to take about 15 minutes 
um, to discuss those. And then when we're done, when we come back together, we're gonna have a little testimony time. If you have something you'd like to share about the way that God has grown you or shaped you or challenged you, how he has become more real to you, then please go ahead and, and share that. I also mentioned in the club thread this morning that those who aren't here, we would really like to hear from them too, but that might require you sharing in your club thread, maybe what you share this morning. And then I just wanna close, I'm giving you all everything that's coming. I just wanna close this morning with um, a song that I has just been reaching deep into my life. And so think about it as, as the stretch after a workout when we get to that. So we're still in the workout right now. And um, at the very end, I just wanna close with that. So take about 15 minutes and in your tables, go ahead and discuss the questions on page 50. Okay, ladies, does anybody want, would anybody be willing to talk about what God has taught you or something that he's gifted you or a way that you're thankful in the last few weeks? I'm just really grateful for learning the 15-4 plan. Yeah. It's a big difference for me to start my day, plan it, and then be productive. That's awesome. So just, I'll get it done. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> That's good to hear. We love the 15-4. God has been showing me most over this past month or so is unfeeling faithfulness in every aspect of life. And when I rely on him, he's making me more faithful as well. One of the things that, that really just struck me as, holy cow, that's like a huge growth, was um, right before going to bed, there was just this like major irritation that happened. And I was like, okay, normally I would lay there and stew about it in my mind, and then my mind would start racing, and okay, I, I have to go to bed now, turn on Netflix, and like just try to drown out all the voices. And instead of doing that, I was able to just lay there, and instead of my mind going all these places, just talk to God about it. And just literally venting to God all of this stuff like I like I would to a friend. And before I knew it, I was sound asleep. Instead of having to like spend all this time trying to drown it out, he just he took it. That's great. That's really cool. I was just telling the girls that I feel like for a long time I had been praying about just like the Lord like renewing my joy and just my salvation because I feel like it was just it, I would go for months where it just wouldn't really bother me if I was like in the word or not or I would go for months where I'd be reading it but it wasn't really connecting and um, I just feel like I was telling them that just making the plan of like okay this is what I'm going to read in my Bible this year so that way when I'm done reading something I'm not like well there's a couple weeks where it's like well not what I want to do and wasting time and so just making a plan what I'm going to read and then obviously getting up at a time so I'm not missing that time during the day and just having the accountability to get up instead of just, if I get up, I'm the only one that knows or doesn't know. And so it's just been, it's been really, really good. And I've just been really thankful. 
philosophy. Go ahead. How many of you would say that your time in, with the Lord has become more intense? He speaks louder. He speaks clearer, which is odd because you're half, awo- you're half asleep. <laughs> this morning I went from my bed to the kitchen and I wasn't sure how I got there. <laughs> I was still so sleepy. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that, Arielle. intentional I love like writing out the verses and like really grasping something for the day to like carry with me instead of just reading and like forgetting Mm -hmm. Um, and so I feel like it's been intentional and also just a greater desire to be in the word um, and not look at it as like a checklist so like if I didn't wake up like feeling bad about it but I also have a desire to find that time. So where else can I find it? It was one time it was just right before bed, even though I knew I was getting up to do it. But I was like, I had that desire to spend that time with him. So it's been good. I love that. Anybody else? Okay. I am going to play this song. And like I said before, just consider this like, a little bit of a stretch for your spirit after a long few weeks of doing things that you haven't done before, thinking in ways that you haven't before. Just kind of a a relax, take a breath. That's the end of our study. Let me just pray real quick and then you're free to go or have lunch or whatever it is that the Lord has for you today and his plans with you. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for seeking us and for allowing us to understand what it's like to have an intense, deeper, richer walk with you. Lord, I pray for these ladies, pray for myself, that as this study ends, that we would continue to dive deep, that we would thirst for our time with you, that we would miss it when we can't have it, that we would understand that it is life, that you are life, and that you fuel us to love and serve those around us with your word. Pray for those that aren't with us, Lord, that they would feel the same love, the same unity, the same encouragement from you, our faithful Father. We love you so much. In your name, amen.